0: Salvation, Tearing yeah. through the dead of yeah. the See the people yeah. of the first. where there's tremendous opportunity all around us. You and I have opportunity. The closer we get to scriptures being fulfilled and Jesus could come back, I believe the spirit is gonna be moving in a powerful way like we've never seen before. One of the problems with a lot of people in church, as well as out of church, is they're always seeing the problem not the problem solver. In other words, well, I would like to, but I can't. And yet the Bible is very clear tonight. Those that God uses, whether men or women, are people who have faith that God is who he says he is. Now, we've heard a message about that, didn't we? And God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he'll do, and God has no limitations. But tonight as I'm ministering, I'm going to read a scripture to you. There's no scripture on the side at all because I do not know how to type on a computer and put my outline. I just try to tell a funnier joke than Alex did. And I have none tonight. But the Bible said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, these words. And either they're true or they're not. Most of you can quote the scripture, you don't even need to look it up, you quoted it. And yet tonight, what the word of God is saying to us, whether we're a man or woman, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In other words, we have no limitations if we're moving in the spirit of God. Now we can stop that. You have the ability to be that person. I have that ability. We have that ability that we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. But you and I stop it many times because we say things like, I can't. I don't believe. What if it doesn't happen? So we never venture out. We like the story about when Peter said, Let me come out and walk on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And he gets out of the boat and begins to walk. But all of a sudden, and you and I know the story, the wind's blowing, the waves are big and huge, and Peter looks at the problem, and he begins to sink. How many remembers that? But let me tell you the rest of the story. Jesus is there, and he takes his hand, picks him up, and they walk together to where they want to go. And so tonight, God is looking for men and women that will not say, I can't, or maybe I can or maybe this will happen, or maybe that will not happen, but people who believe him, that he might put his spirit upon their life. In Romans chapter one, verse 17, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the just are you and I are to live by faith. Now, if I would ask the question today, how many, people, God, how many of you believe God lies? How many people would raise their hand? You wouldn't raise your hand, would you? If I would ask you, does God tell the truth? You'd say what? Yes. Is God's word all powerful? You and I would say yes. But yet tonight, many times in our life, instead of operating by faith, we operate by feelings. And I want to tell you what feelings to do. It'll rob you. Have you ever got up feeling good and the phone rings and then you're feeling bad? Or have you ever been believing God safe for a miracle of healing and you're confessing God's going to heal you and some people say to you, come up, says, well, now that everybody gets healed and all of a sudden it's like a bomb falls on your life and so we're constantly battling are we going to believe God? And I want to look at three things tonight. First of all, we need to believe that God can do anything. And Pastor Wilson touched that. And I was amazed when he touched that. I already had this sermon. And I'm preaching it anyway. And I'd like to say he stole it, but he couldn't because I had it in my house. But I believe God wants to speak to us. And encourage us tonight that what he wants to do tonight is far beyond what we could even comprehend or think. But according to the power, another translation, according to your faith being released in what God said he would do. The second thing I'm going to talk about is Jesus is willing and freely will give you what you need. Now don't get so happy. I remember when we used to get our tax returns in the mail before they direct deposit. How many remember that? And I used to go out, I'd file my taxes, and I remember one year I wrote this down, I got $3.18 back from the government. That's big money when you don't have any. So every day I'd go to the mailbox. And I wasn't happy when a bill came or advertisement came. I was looking for that envelope that had a little thing in it And I knew it was a check that would be mine. In life, all of us battle. And you and I tonight need to believe that no matter what's happening in our life, or what's happening in the Congress, or what's happening all around us tonight, that God can do anything and he will do everything to help us and fulfill his promise to the church of Jesus Christ, which is made up of people like you and I, when he said in the last days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit upon all flesh and the power of God's gonna go. It's gonna sweep not only America, but it can sweep the world and the only thing can stop it is not the devil, but it's unbelief. whether you're a Democrat or Republican, if Donald Trump called me tonight, I don't know if he has my number, I ought to send it to him. It says to me, I put a check in the mail for a million dollars. You you deserve it. I wouldn't sit around and say, I wonder if it's good. I'd run to the bank because Donald Trump could write a million dollar check. He's a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, so he has the ability to fulfill that. Now, if I told you tonight I could write you a check for 1000 and I wrote it and send it to you, you'd be very disappointed when it bounced. <laughs> and you're going to be charged, a service charge, because Harry Hills tonight could not make that $1,000 good. So as I'm just telling you, that sounds funny, but either God can make his word good and it will be good or God isn't who he claims to be. And tonight you and I should be excited to know and understand that God can do anything and everything and God's in control. As pastor said, when the devil lies to you, it's like God takes the cross, that piece of wood and beats him with it. Oh, if you wasn't here this last weekend, you ought to get that sermon. Because God is a God that has no limitations. You know, I'm a little worried about the Diamondbacks this year. And, and I was a little worried about the Cardinals this year. I'm really worried about the Coyotes this year. And, because some of you, you can tell how they did when you come to Church. I tell you, one of the most disappointing football games I ever watched is that Arizona's in the Super Bowl. Remember that? It's the very last. All the quarterback has to do is kneel down, and the clock's going to run out. And we'd been the Super Bowl champions. But you know what he did? He didn't kneel down. Sometimes you and I could be a champion if we kneel down more often. But, but leaving that thought, the opponents got the ball, ran to the goal, and we lost on the last second play. And I'm telling you, we had long-mouthed people coming to church, and all upset, and I was even upset. I said, sell them, send them to another town. They're losers. Actually, they're not hearing this notes. But I'm bringing it up to say that, you know, we can be disappointed by all kinds of things. But I want to say something to you. God cannot lie. God does not change his mind. There's nothing too hard for him to do. Matter of fact, the Bible said, and I quote it again, he's able to do exceedingly Abundantly above all that you and I can ask, according to the power in us. And we have to understand that's the God we serve. Jeremiah said this: O Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you to do. I'm thinking about Job. You know, Job had a rough life, didn't he? He loved God, a good man. And the devil said to God, God, if you let me try Job, he'll deny you. And the Bible said, you can do anything you want. You can't kill him. And so the devil went to Job. He destroyed everything he had. He lost his family, lost his cattle, lost his wealth. And there he is. He's being tried, and he has to make his mind up. Is God able to do everything? Is God who he says he is? Am I going to put my trust in him? And we know the scripture. Even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. And the Bible said because of his faith in the times where it looked so impossible, and the times looked like where God has totally deserted him, he kept his faith in who God says he was, Kept his faith in that he served a God that could do anything and all things. And God restored him as a testimony. You and I tonight need to believe that's who God is. I sort of like what Pastor said in his sermon. When you get excited, something begins to happen. Now, don't tell me you're not excited. <laughs> you all have been, some of you have been signing up for that house thing that, you know, you sign up. I remember a couple of people coming there and said, they are going to give this beautiful home away and I'm signing up. I'm believing to win it. Well, they didn't. You ever seen that commercial? <laughs> they knock on your door and they got a bouquet and. You get $1,000 a week for your life. And some of you, probably all of us at one time, <laughs> has believe we're going to win it. We put our faith in crazy things, don't we? I, I read just the other day they got a new diet pill out. You can take one a day, and it's guaranteed that you'll lose, listen to this, 40 pounds in the first 45 days. If that's true, I'm getting three bottles. It's probably, I shouldn't do that, should I, doc? That's probably not the way to go. But people buy that. Isn't that true? The, the, the latest commercial I like is these people's got bags in their eyes like me. And you get this cream, you just rub it, and it starts getting soft and stretches you out to where you look better, you know. We put our faith in all kinds of things, don't we? You know, I've been to the doctor. I've had colds, and the doctor says, take the pill. I don't understand the pill. I just have faith if a doctor tells me to take it, and I take it, the pill will do what it's supposed to do. And yet it amazes to me, it amazes me today, that we feel that many times that God won't do that for us. How many knows God can and God will meet your needs? For the Bible says, for my God shall supply all of your needs, not according to what's going on in the world or what you're hearing, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we're not talking about just gold and it, There's streets of gold in heaven. We're not talking about beautiful jewels and there's jewels in the wall in heaven. But I'm talking about according to his riches and that is for God so loved the world, he sent Jesus Christ who came, lived, did not sin, went to a cross, hung there for you and me, rose the third day and he's at his right hand of his father making intercession for the person in your chair tonight he's there making intercession and you and i need to believe tonight that god is a god that will meet your needs i mean george stone's been sick for a long time i remember george stone he was a little guy heavy set guy that shook every hand every service he chased me one day i didn't know where he was doing And finally, he says, stop. And I said, what what do you need? He said, I didn't get to shake your hand. Well, it's hard to stop somebody like me because once I stop, I want to sit down. (laughs) But here's George Stone. He gave a testimony here. I don't know who remembers it. But he was in his service, and God spoke to him, and all he had was a $20 bill. And George has raised his grandson and his wife before his wife passed away. And George is a hard worker. He's in his late 80s. He's worked concrete work. He's done everything he could to supply for his family. And he came with a $20 bill, and that's all he had. And he said God spoke to him in the service to give it. And he went home with no money left. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he said the next day he got an envelope with nobody telling who sent it, and it was $200. But I remember what George said. George says, I really did believe that he did want to meet my need. And when I trusted him as he gave his testimony, he said, God did not let him down. God blessed him because he believed God was the God that would meet every need he had. And I want to tell you, you and I have a right to come in that name. Jesus said, when you come to my Father, come in my name. And when you come in my name, he will hear you. And when he hears you, he'll give you the desires of your hearts. And so we got tonight to believe that Jesus will and give and meet our needs. One time I'd like for you to believe what I'm preaching and just jump up and start running and like a holy roller that they claim you already are. They already said you're a holy roller. You go to that church. Those people are out of their mind. Thank God. I got a new mind. I got out of that mind. There's a new mind in you and I. And when we think about tonight, I'm trying to encourage you that Jesus can, and not only can, will meet every need you have because you belong to the family of God. I'm just waiting for it to stop so I can keep going. (laughs) You know, here's Jesus. He's been ministering, and two blind men came to him. These people were blind, two of them from their birth, never had seen. And Jesus said these words, Do you believe that I'm able to do this and heal you? Now, he throws out a question to two blind men. They didn't know what he looked like. They only knew what he sounded like. But they had heard that everywhere Jesus went, things happened. I don't know about you, but if you were blind, it's hard to even visualize that unless you have been blind or you are blind, that you don't see things like everybody else. The only way you can even function is what you hear. And maybe they had heard about Jesus. I don't know what happened. And heard that everywhere he goes, miracles are happening. And so now... The picture is this. They're in front of this man they heard about. They've never seen him. They've never seen the crippled walk. They've never seen anything, the deaf hear or the dead raised because they couldn't see. But Jesus asked them the question, do you believe, listen, do you believe I'm able to do this? And at that moment, by faith in whom they heard about, because he didn't have a Bible in those days. You know that? This is before what we have today. But they had heard, and they made up their mind they was going to believe this man could do it because they had heard about what he had done. And they said, yes. And the moment they did, they began to see. Now, we have the word of God. Most of us aren't blind. Maybe you think when we drive down the road we are, but we're not. And we have the promises of God we can read. We can hear them on our cell phones, on our iPad. We can get programs, and they read the Bible to us. We put on headphones and have no distraction at all. And we're a generation that has an opportunity to really believe That God is a God that wants to meet our need. Listen to me. God wants to meet your need. He knows your problems. He knows your needs. He knows what you have need of. The Bible said He already knows your need before you pray. He's aware of you, and He's aware of me, and He's aware of us. He's aware of what you went through today. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. He knows the situation in our nation tonight. He knows about all the good and all the bad. But one thing that you and I have promises of as children of God, that God will meet our need if we believe. I've shared here before, my boy had faith in me. And he manipulated me. I remember one time he said, Dad, do you want me to be something good for God? And I said, why, sure. The moment he said that, he had me. Because I just told him I wanted him to be the best. He said, well, Dad, you know that little guitar you bought me? And I think I paid $10 at a yard sale for this old guitar. Never dreaming he'd keep playing it and keep me awake at night and drive me crazy. I mean, it's... Sounded like a dying captain in a hailstorm. I'm telling you, that he couldn't play a lick and he'd play it loud. And then he got somebody to get him an electric guitar to borrow and he borrowed the amp And then it got louder and louder and louder. But after a while, he got really good. So he came to me again and said, Dad, you told me you wanted to be real me do something good for God, didn't you? What well, am I supposed to say, no? And I said, Yes. And he said, when you do something for God, you need to be as good as you can be. And I said, yeah, you do. He said, well, Dad, I appreciate this guitar I got. But it can't do what I need to do for God. I didn't know the guitar did anything for God, but that's what he told me. And he said, Dad, if you'd buy me this Abinizer, whatever guitar it was, I could really do something for God so I went from a yard sale to a music store, and that gets expensive quick. And I think that first guitar I paid about $105 for. But then he told me, Dad, I can't keep borrowing Randy's amp. I need an amp. And so we got an amp. And then later he says, I need a pedal. I've told you the story. I bought more guitar pedals. I could fill this whole area of the stage. I don't even know how to use them, how to plug them in, but I bought them because I wanted him to be the very best he could be. And then that day came that he said, Dad, I need Les Paul. I didn't know who Les Paul was. I just thought he wanted to take lessons from Les Paul. I didn't know what was going on. So we had a guy in our uh, church in Bullhead City. I was pastor in the Four Square Church. His name was Ron, and he had a little music store in his house. And I said to him, "Ron, my son wants a Les Paul. Is it better?" He said, "Oh yeah, he can play much better." And then I asked that crazy question: "How much?" (laughs) Cost me more than my first car I had. But I want you to be the best you could be. Now, I'm an earthly father. And the Bible said, if I, an earthly father, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will my heavenly father give gifts to me? And so there is a truth here tonight that God loves you and loves me and loves us. And loves this church. And he wants to pour out his spirit on us. He wants his presence to be so real in this church that when men and women and boys and girls walk in the door, they feel God. When sinners are driving by, and let me just tell you something. I was used to do Jacob's Ladder for over 10 years. I did all the intake for the courts. And one day a guy showed up, and he was driving by, and I said, are you court appointed? He said, no, I'm just driving by. My life's a mess, and I felt like I had to come in here. That's what God wants. He wants sinners to be drawn here. He wants his spirit to be poured out here. He wants the oppressed to be set free. He wants the wounded to be healed in their heart. He wants the sick to be healed, and on and on and on, but he will only do that for people who believe. So if, if you believe this Bible's true, how many believe the Bible's true? Raise your hands. If you're by somebody and did raise your hand, scoot away from them before they get on you. <laughs> then you and I need to believe God can do anything. And you know who he does it through? He does it through Jesus Christ. And you know that scripture? I'll tell you what a powerful scripture. If you'd take time and maybe write it out and put it on your mirror, It might be more encouraging than looking in it. I avoid mirrors. But put that on the mirror and begin to think about that. That through Jesus Christ, he wants to bless you. And he can do it through Christ. Christ. That's why I started the scripture tonight. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And so tonight, God has a destiny for our lives. Listen, He has a destiny for our lives together. We can be a mighty army. How many loves the story of Gideon where God said send them away, send them away and had a few and God used them to win the battle. How many knows there's no Gideon but how many knows that same God wants to use you and me to win the battle, to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to be known as a church where you walk in the doors, lives are changed, where families are put back together and whatever need that people have, it's met because you and I have faith that when they walk in the door, that our God's big enough to touch those people to mean every need they have. The thing that helped me when I become a Christian, <coughs> my senior year of high school, I told you about I was raised Methodist, good people, never knew I could be born again. Joined the church, president of the Methodist Youth Fellowship, we used to sprinkle in our church. We didn't get people real wet. We just sprinkled them and took communion. I was there every time the church door was open, not because I wanted to be. My parents didn't give me the opportunity to choose. And I remember on a Sunday morning, I said to my mother, I don't want to go to church. She said, It's not up to what you want to do. You're going. Well, I won't listen, and it's not going to help me. She said, it can't hurt you. You're going. And I went, and our pastor had retired. You all have heard the story. They sent a young man from Asbury Seminary, and I heard for the first time in my life, you must be born again. I answered an altar call. The pastor knelt down to me and said, did you ask Jesus in your heart? I said, I don't know how to pray. I knew how to sing the doxology, so do you, some of you. And I knew how to read the prayer off the bulletin. But I didn't know how to pray. And he knelt down and led me in a simple sinner's prayer that I'd invite Christ in my life. And you know what he did to me? That weekend, the next weekend, he said, I'm coming back, I'm in school, but I'll be here Friday. I want all you young people, I'm gonna take you somewhere. And guess where he took us? To the Skid Row in Louisville, Kentucky. Where it was full of prostitutes and alcoholics. Those days you didn't see drunk, but you'd see—I mean, drugs—but you'd see drunks passed down the sidewalk. And he said, "I want you to witness for Jesus." Well, I didn't know what witnessing was unless you was going to court. That's the only witness I knew. I'm telling you the truth. I didn't understand, and I said, uh, "He said here's a track, and he had me a bunch of tracks." And he said, you give them to people and tell them Jesus loves them. And so I started to do that, and he come up and said, I need to help you a little bit. So he showed me how to begin to share what Christ had done in my life. That happened for the next five months. He took us to the streets, and I was never the same again. Because I had the privilege of kneeling down with drunks and praying over them, and they would sober up. And so we started the mission, it's still there, it's called Panam Mission, where it's full of former prostitutes, drunks, and now drug addicts, who had been reached in the streets. Not in a building, in the streets. And we started with nobody except seven or eight of us, and today there are a couple hundred people constantly are getting saved. And then the soldiers would come from Fort Knox on the weekend, into Louisville, for a weekend. Furlough. And then we started giving out donuts and get them in the building and begin to witness to them. When I did that, or he got me to do that, I was forever changed. Because when I seen a wretched sinner instantly be transformed and begin to serve God, I could never deny the power of God. Can I tell you something? In Kingman. You know what makes a skid row? Sinners. Not a locality. Not what the houses are worth or not worth. What makes skid row is that's where people go and sin. Well, they might not keep their yard anymore and their house might be looking like it's about to fall in. But inside the people, if they change, things that would change on the outside. How many know that? Oh, yeah. And so in our church tonight as I'm bringing this to a close the Bible said I and you and we can do anything through Jesus you know what our church needs it needs me and you and us to go out of this building and look for sinners to share the gospel with I had a little problem with my internet. Now, like I say, I'm not a computer wizard. I'm a computer wreck. I call Jason. I call Andy. I call anybody. Hey, what did I do wrong? And they, they get me out of it, and then I get in it again and get out of it again. So I'm not a computer person. And so, but my internet speed was too slow, so I went in this place, and I said my internet speed is too slow, and they said, well, for ten dollars a month more, uh, you go get your thing out of your house, and we'll give you something to plug in. So I did, and so I was taking the old one back, and I looked at two people, and I'm not going to describe too much because they're here. They're here on Sundays now. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? We would really be honored if you would come to Praise Chapel and check us out. And one of them got tears in her eyes and says, I just said to my two children, I need to take you to church. Now, these were people I was doing business with. And I said, if you'll come Sunday, my wife and I will buy your meal. So both of them came and both of them bought their two kids. So four of them, three, three, six, and me and Joan was eight. Since then, they've been here every week. This is what I'm talking about witnessing. Going out and caring about people enough to ask them to come to church, or are you in church, or have you ever met Jesus Christ? See, everybody in this building, if I'm really honest with you, would love to see every seat full. No, if you wouldn't want to see that, you need to come and get saved. Because that's what life's about, Jesus Christ, right? And so if we do want the church to be filled, what we need is us to go out and touch sinners and bring them to Jesus so they can become a part of our family. Do we really believe, and I'm asking myself today, and I did ask myself today, and I've been thinking about this all day, do I really believe Jesus is who he says he is? And if I do, would I really believe if I go out and do what he called me to do, that he would bless it? And see, that's the deal tonight, folks. God is who he says he is. And God is able to do what he says. And like Pastor Wilson preached and showed us all the scripture on the scene, all he's looking for is for people like you and me to believe it. You say, I I have a hard time. I have no faith. Well, let me just go back to when my doctor gives me a prescription to take. I don't know anything. I can't say to that pill, Are you really what the doctor said? Can you really do what the doctor says? I just believe he says if I go do it, it'll work. I don't go to the drugstore and say, Now, do you know what you're doing? All those bottles. Are you sure you didn't grab the wrong one? Come on, you, you have to admit. And so I have faith. If it says take one four times a day, I take one four times a day. And I trust that the doctor who prescribes knows what he's doing. I trust the druggist who feels it knows what they're doing. And I trust that pill will do what it's supposed to do. Well, tonight, do I trust that this is the word of God? Do I trust there's no limits to what it can do? Do I trust there's nothing too hard for God to do? Do I trust Christ in me is the hope of glory? Do I trust that if I take this outside of this building and look for an opportunity? And I want to tell you, folks, there's opportunities everywhere you look. To touch people and share Jesus with them. Invite them to church, but share Jesus with them. That it'll work and it'll change them. You know, one thing about Jacob's letter that I had the privilege in those 10 years of doing is I interviewed all people that had to come from the courts, from probation, from all the places where they had to come and take a course, I had the privilege of sitting across on them and talking to them, enrolling them and getting to know them. I heard some of the saddest stories when they would come here, like one thing that one say, "I'm only here because they have to be. I don't want to be here, and I can't wait to get out of here." I heard that over and over again. I've seen fathers sit across from me. And tears come in their eyes, not just because they got arrested. But I would ask them about their families, and they said, Well, I don't know anything about my wife and my kids. They're taken away. Or sometimes I had couples come. They both got arrested together and they came and they took our children and our lives are wrecks. And I've watched them come in and mock and laugh the first few weeks because they were only here because they had to. But as they would play the music and preach and go to the classes and they'd teach them these things, I began to see changes. In the office, in my file cabinet, I have many letters from the courts because after they'd been here, Jesus began to touch their lives. They were a mess when they came in. They would have qualified for wrecked lives. But as they begin to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they begin to change. I remember the first time this happened. I can see this couple now. They come down the hallway, my desk, Our office was the second door where Jacob Slatter is there and they're crying and they came in. I said, what is wrong? And they're sobbing. They said, CPS has taken our children two years ago. Our lives were a mess. We've been incarcerated. We've been in the court system. Our lives, it seems, wasn't worth living and we got in trouble and they made us take a course, and the only reason we came here, you were the cheapest. It's sort of like y'all shopping, you know, cheapest. Even if it don't look as good, it's cheap, you know. But anyway, moving on. (laughs) And I said, what's wrong? And they said, we're getting our kids back. I got a letter from Judge McCoy. She's not in the court anymore she retired and uh, the letter read something like this I can go get it and read it it says dear Judge McCoy I want to thank you for making me take a course you told me I had to take a course or I couldn't stay out of jail so I chose Jacob Slider because it was the cheapest and I didn't want to be there and I didn't like you telling me I had to be there. But I just want to thank you, Judge McCoy. Because as I sit there and begin to hear about Jesus Christ, my life began to change. I hated being there. And then for a while, I couldn't wait till it used to be on Thursday nights. I couldn't wait till Thursday nights to come back. And I'm going to say something to make somebody feel good tonight. There's a guy in our congregation named Bill Frank he's sitting on the back row but he's loud and I like him and he says I was sitting in Bill Frank's class and he said it was about the 11th week of the 13th week of our course and Bill began to talk about what Jesus could do he said I went home and the next week he said I'd prayed the sinner's prayer several times but the next week I really meant it And my life changed. And you know what he said, Judge McCoy? Thank you for making me go. It's changed my life. In the letter, he says, My wife has come home and bought the kids. I'm thinking about that. We don't have enough chairs for the hurting people, we don't have a building big enough just for a few hurting people in Kingman, Arizona. But can I share this with you? I've come to the conclusion of my life, I've got to get out and reach them. And I've been doing that. I'm not bragging. I did it because I felt bad for not doing it. Because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Have you ever seen a kid? They feel bad because not what they could do, but what they did do that wasn't right. And as Christians tonight, and I want to challenge you. Can I just challenge you this? I ask you for this next 60 days because tomorrow's the first, isn't it? I ask you when you go outside your house or go on your job or in your business or in the restaurant, wherever you go, to look for an opportunity to share Jesus and touch somebody. There's little kids that are hurting in Kingman because nobody's touching their parents and they're living the life of hell they don't have clothes they need they don't have food they need they live in horrible conditions and the answer is Jesus Christ because if their parents get touched and meet Jesus everything changes so could we for the next 60 days we, me and we could we make a commitment to Jesus that we're going to look for opportunities to touch people. And not just invite them to church, but share Jesus Christ with them. You want to, you want to see this building full? I'll I tell you what I want to see. I want to see full of people come in and their lives change. Because we can reach church people from another church, but when they get tired of us, they'll go to another church anyway. But you get people saved, and you get people changed, They'll be a part of a church and they'll bring in people. See, the first thing that people do when they get saved is they tell their sinners and try to get them saved. So let's commit. Let's really believe the Bible and let's really believe the promises of the Bible. Let's really believe that Jesus will help us. And I close with this last scripture. Say not four months, then will come the harvest. But lift your head, lift your eyes, and look upon the field because it's ripe. And this is the day when God wants to save people, wants to change cities, and wants to pour out his spirit on churches. And if you and I will become desperate, we'll see a mighty move of God like we never dreamed could happen. Isn't that what we want? I would like that. Would you like that? I would like to be able to lead somebody to Jesus and see him change. Would you like to do that? Well, let me tell you. That's why I gave us some math. We need to go out and talk about Jesus and talk to people and let them know they can have a new life in Jesus Christ. This weekend is going to be a great weekend. I don't believe that. Do you believe it? But let, you know what will really make it great? If Harry Hills and you and we will go out and invite somebody and bring them in. And let Jesus touch them because the quickest way to fill the church is to go out and love people and bring them in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight that you are who you said you are. And you can do what you promised you can do, and there's no limits to that. But sometimes we say things like, well, I can't, or it's too hard. But Lord, Let our new words be, I can. And I will. And you will go with me. And Lord, help us to reach the desperate of Kingman. Help us to see you change lives and put families back together. And Lord, we want them in our church. God, give us the ones nobody else wants. Give us the hurting. Give us those that... Lives have been shattered over and over again. Lord, we want them here. And we want you to touch them and change them that we might be the army you called us to be, to touch this generation before Jesus comes again. And you know, Lord, not only we want you to do it, we believe you're going to do it because you said you would. And we believe you will help us because you promised you would. And you will go with us because you said you would. So help us lord we we commit for the next 60 days to be your mouthpiece to be your feet that goes out to touch those that you died for and that you want to save and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for we pray in jesus name amen now now let me say this quick